Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by my Thunder Buddy from Las Vegas, Joe Masato. Joe, how are you doing? Doing good, Michael. My uh, time in Vegas is nearing a close, going home tomorrow uh, on Wednesday, but it's been it's been really fun, kind of hectic, but um, yeah, always a good time out here. Well, I heard that you have really um, just gone all out eating wise and uh, went to Jimmy John's or was it Little Caesars? Hey, <laughs> it was Jersey Mike's. Oh, um, close. <laughs> yeah, you were you were very close. So. Actually, as I uh, as I misspoke on down to dunk, I ended up going to Caesar's Palace for undoubtedly the best buffet of my life. It was enormous. There was cuisine from around the world. And, you know, sometimes buffets, they sacrifice, you know, quality for quantity. But everything I had was absolutely delicious. There was a massive dessert bar. Um, and uh, so shout out to Nate Duncan from the uh, Dunked On podcast because he invited me to this. Uh, I was at a table uh, where I was undoubtedly the, the dumbest person, um, but I just enjoyed getting to getting to meet some folks and um, partake in that wonderful meal. I'll push back on that. Who else was at that table? I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> Um, it was a it was a lot of people who are smarter, especially in, in a salary cap. So uh, Danny LaRue, who he's on a podcast mm-hmm. with, uh, Ethan Strauss, Dan Feldman, uh, John Hollinger, um, and Wozni Lambre, which was like the coolest part for me because I'm a big fan of his. But anyway, it was a it was a really cool dinner. Yeah, you just got to sit in on a dinner of like. Um of nba twitter essentially yeah exactly and it was like what am i doing here again um but yeah shout out to nate because uh was hopped on his podcast in the off season and he tries to take care of the folks that that came on his pod um by taking them out to dinner in vegas so hopefully uh i'm lucky enough to do that again because it was delicious I remember when I went to Vegas a couple of years ago for summer league um, to save money. I went into this pizza place, just bought like a large pizza, like three times that week just to heat it up over the course, just in the microwave. I remember when the employees are like, you've been here pretty often. Do you want to like start a membership card? I'm like, I will be here until Wednesday. And they're like, and you want to eat here? And I was like, I don't know how to tell you this, but it's really cheap. And uh, I'm trying to save money. And then the other place was um, a chain called Big Chicken which was run by Shaq, which was hilarious because I walked in not knowing. And then it's just a chicken restaurant just with pictures of Shaq everywhere. Barbecue chicken. Mm-hmm. Well, um, listen, I, I usually uh, a lot of people have given me a hard time about Jersey Mike's deservedly. So uh, I went to a place, a restaurant last night right by my hotel called Tacos and Beer, uh, which is a is very appropriately named restaurant. But other than that, I've not gone to too many places. That's because I'm staying off strip uh, closer to UNLV where I don't really want to walk to the strip because it's like 110 degrees. And, um, you know, getting an Uber sometimes is a hassle or something. So I have no excuse. But at the same time, it's not like I'm surrounded by um, the world's finest cuisine out where I am. Ubers in Vegas suck because it's like, you look and it's like, oh, this uh, would be a 10 minute walk or a 45 minute Uber. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I took one Uber actually after um, I was at, I think it was Caesar's Palace and I got in the car. I think I might have told this story before, but I get in the car and my driver was um, Mike Bibby's stepmom. Yeah. I yeah. remember you telling this story. That's incredible. Which was just, she's like, yeah, uh, you here for basketball? She was like, yeah, my husband, my stepson, like really like basketball. And I was like, really? She was like, yeah, you might have heard of him. 
uh, Henry Bibby and Mike Bibby, and I was like, what is happening? Like, why yeah. am I right? And she was like, yeah, I just do this for extra money. But the highlight of my trip was, um, maybe you'll see this on the strip before you leave. Uh, there was a half strip club, half Taco Bell right off the strip. Didn't go in, but I was there. just like, that has piqued my interest. That is a combination. The coolest thing I, I've seen. Um, ha- have you seen the new sphere? Like I've, I've seen memes of it. It's crazy. Like, I didn't even know what it was coming here. And it looks cool from far away because it's like, oh, there's this, you know, big ball and it looks like a basketball and it can look like an eyeball and look like the moon. But then when you get up close to it, it is just enormous. And I mean, I didn't even realize that it's going to be like a state of the art concert venue with, you know, these you know specialty speakers and everything like that. So, I mean, they put like literally billions of dollars into it. But um, yeah, that that's a pretty cool thing. Did you ever go to like the science museum in Oklahoma City as a kid? Oh yeah, it it was like that's it feels like the higher res version of that, for yeah. sure. I I'm old enough to remember when it was the Omniplex. I that was the word I was looking for and just could not remember. <laughs> but let's let's get into some Vegas stuff that actually has to pertain with basketball. Um, what other cool people did you get to talk to? I know you mentioned that you had like a nice dinner there with a lot of uh high-ranking smart people anybody else that you got to talk to maybe about the thunder or anything else yeah i mean you just see it's like everyone you see throughout the season is there in in vegas so whether it's um you know other beat writers coming through to oklahoma city that i chat with or you know go on the road and talk to them and see them you know once or twice a year it's like everyone's there in vegas and it's a it's a cool time to catch up obviously team personnel from across the league is there um it, it's really you know the the whole league sort of congregates here so um yeah i've i've been you know casually talking to you know some people about the thunder um just in like it's mainly them asking me like hey this should be a fun team to cover uh this year and i'm like yeah it probably should be in um in salt lake city I was talking to to Tim McMahon of of ESPN because Salt Lake City was way more low key. I mean, only four teams out there. Um, So he was writing a story about Chad and covering the Thunder a little bit. So I was talking to him um, about the Thunder and, um, you know, nothing like super in depth, but everyone can see sort of what the Thunder is doing. And I haven't talked to anyone who's like "Ah, i don't really know what they're doing or they don't really have a direction it's like everyone knows exactly what the thunder is trying to build so you didn't run into justin termini is what you're telling me (laughs) i actually did at the draft i did not talk to him um but i have not run into termini here i i don't uh i don't claim to know him you don't sound to me like the um conflict type where you're gonna go hey buddy let's talk about this saw hey, this pal. on your twitter yeah that's always a great way to start it out with a very friendly like pronoun and then go yeah just bring down the hammer but yeah uh, glad to see you're building your sources out in vegas who's the best player you got to see your most surprising player i know our guy leonard miller is playing incredibly well which hurts my soul he's not on yeah. the thunder if you were high on leonard miller which you were this is just soak it in because um, maybe it maybe he doesn't play this well as a rookie or doesn't have this type of career. But right now, Leonard Miller uh, is one of the steals of the draft. Other guys, I, I mean, the best game I went to by far was the lead up to the Wimby game, that Rockets Blazers game uh, where, where Scoot was playing, and then Jabari Smith hit that uh, last second shot. Um. In the brief moments that they were available, Amon Thompson and Scoot were were both electric, seeing them out there. Jabari Smith, I'm not just saying this because I was very high on Jabari Smith last year. Had him um, number one on my board, which is a mistake. I'm already claiming that's a mistake. Three is probably the best place. But everyone gave up on him at the end of his rookie season, and He's he's done what a second year player should do. He's he's looked really good out here in Vegas. He's doing more on the ball. 
Um, and I think just within a more structured system, uh, he's, he's going to look a lot better as a sophomore. Biggest surprise to me is Keontae George. I just wasn't yeah. a big Keontae George guy. And I, I, I guess he is who we thought he was and that he's an electric scorer. And I don't know, like I was reading uh, a story about him this morning that like, like jazz really want him to buy in on the defensive end. So, you know, he might be like a Cam Thomas type, but boy, he can, uh, he's lighting it up. They need to bring in Mark to give him the broccoli Skittles speech. Yeah. Yeah. What have you thought? I mean, where were you at on Keontae George? I can't remember. I wasn't. I I said some pretty bold things, not necessarily (laughs) for him. I told Derek, I was like, yeah, he might as well just tack to like six man on his uh, on his forehead. That's what I see. But I I will push back a little bit because with summer league, we've seen this before, like Nate Robinson got his jersey retired. It is usually dominated by these ball centric scoring guards. That's why it's even been, we'll get to this later, but like harder for Chet to score because he's not playing with a real facilitator. So who knows? Keontae George, definitely better than I thought he would be, but let, let's see it in the regular season. Um, yeah, very Jordan Clarkson-y, an mm-hmm. appropriate team for Keontae George to be on. But yeah, Nate, g- give me some names, you guys you'd like to watch. Jabari Smith was fun. He made me laugh with his quote where they're like, why are you playing in summer league? He's like, well, I'm 20. And uh, we just lost like 70 games and I like to play basketball and my teammates are cool. That's a that's good. Someone in that organization should take responsibility. I I think so. It made me laugh when he made that uh, buzzer beating shot and he ran past Ime Udoka, Fred Van Vliet, Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. and Alperen Shingun to go talk to Kevin Martin Jr. who just got traded earlier that week or Kenyon Martin Jr. Yeah, 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 yeah. KJ Martin. But yeah. um. Bilal Koulibaly in some of the clips I've seen has looked good. Um, Jairus Walker has hurt my soul as well, just watching him play well. I love Jairus Walker. Jairus Walker's awesome. The Thompson twins have been really, really fun. It's unfortunate we didn't get to see them play against each other. It did make me laugh when Asar Thompson said something. He's like, yeah, um, Houston has this like tall guard who can't shoot. He's not very good, but I don't think he's going to play against us. He's like trying to dodge me or something like that. And everyone's like, what is he talking about? It's like, no, he's talking about his brother, but. Thompson twins are fun. Um, I saw Jalen Duran hit like a, a step back mid range shot, and I wondered what was happening. But okay, summer That's league new this year. Some of my favorite stuff is always watching for the veterans, where it's like, why are you here? Like DJ Wilson yeah. is in like his eighth year, and it's like, how are you still here? And then there, one of my other favorite parts is um all the fan bases whenever um a guy comes up and shows up at summer league in a bucket hat, and they're like, why aren't you playing? Like uh, my favorite one was um, Jalen Suggs. People were very upset. They're like, what have you done? You should be playing. Uh, I heard people say that about Jackson Hayes after he just signed with the Lakers. They're like, he should be playing in summer league. Yeah, it's like, especially after you just switch teams. It's like, it's like, where's Ty Ty Washington and Usman Garuba with the Thunder, you know? They're not they're not committed to the vision, obviously. That's what it is. <laughs> um, were there any cool celebrities you got to see? I know with this um it's almost like i don't know it's a different version it's less corporate it's more basketball fans and all-star weekend but i think it's pretty similar just in terms of the players that show up or is that maybe wrong yeah not as many like non-basketball celebrities obviously you see high profile teammates and stuff like uh i was at the clippers game last night and you know paul george was there um Kyrie was probably the player that attracted the most eyeballs when he walked in, um, you know, for for obvious reasons. Uh, everyone's interested in what Kyrie is doing. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to think of who else. No, like celebrities stick out. I mean, obviously, you see, you know, Rich Paul and and the most powerful agents, stuff like that. But uh yeah, no, no one really else that I, that I ran into that that caught me a a little uh, a little off guard, right? Uh, yeah, uh, let me get right past you, Mister Abdul Jabbar. Just very yeah, casual I did, stuff. I did not see Kareem. I know he was. I know he was there, but I didn't realize he was there until I saw a picture. I saw Jerry West just kind of doing the round, just talking to different guys. Um, I know you're not a Pokemon guy, but somebody 
made the joke whenever have you seen the picture of jerry west talking to osar thompson yeah yeah they said whenever i'm trying to spam through the game getting done talking to professor oak so i can get on my pokemon journey and stuff <laughs> like that but yeah I, I saw jerry west last night as well i should have mentioned him um after the Clippers game in the hallway, um, I'm sorry if I missed this, but it looks like Tyloo had some sort of like foot surgery, leg surgery, whatever back. I don't I don't know what's wrong with him, but he was on a, a scooter and like an electric scooter. And Jerry West just like came up to him and pretended that he was about to like tip the scooter over and send Tyloo flying. So that was a cool interaction. Load management for Tyloo. We're just we're trying yeah. to get out early. Just he's, zipping he's around here in Vegas. That that is funny though, with all the different hills on like the UNLV campus <laughs> to be on a scooter. Yeah, that would yeah. Mr. West, could you please push my scooter? I can't get up this hill. But the yeah. the topic for a lot of people of discussion, the most important thing was watching Victor Wimbanyama in person for the first time and his like quote unquote NBA debut in the summer league. Did you get any chance to get close to him? Um, what was it like in the arena? I know we texted before and you said it was like pretty electric environment opening night, even though the, the game didn't turn out that way. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I was, I was not up close and personal with him, uh, in that summer league game. Uh, I, I had a better look at him at, at the draft when he walked by and I just like, you know, stared up like he was the empire state building or something. But, um, I got in. That was uh, that was Friday night, I think, and I'd gotten in Friday afternoon. The Thunder didn't have a game, and um, but I wanted to go just to see Victor. Like all the media seating was was sort of taken, and I was like, I'm not doing any work, so I don't really want to take up a seat. And the rest is just like open seating, mm-hmm. and it was just like so busy and just chaotic. I just went to the the second deck. And walked basically all the way to to the top, and so I was about as far from Victor's debut as you could have been while being in the arena. But I also just had a magnificent view of just like looking down and just seeing this whole arena. It, it, Thomas and Mac just filled for a summer league game watching this guy play, and I know he didn't live up to the hype in game one, um, but who cares? I mean. It was it just shows you like how big of a deal he is and just like he he's a phenomenon. It made me laugh that people panicking on Twitter. I saw a Spurs fan. They're like, we really just picked um the black Poku number one. That's what we did. Maybe it's a buy low opportunity for other teams. Yeah, I, the Thunder should slide. And it's like, we'll give you Poku for this guy. Poku's like, more proven. He's uh, played in a lot of big games. It's like JRE in a couple of seconds. That's the Daryl Morey package, like whenever <laughs> I forget which pod I referenced it on. But did you hear the thing where he was trying to uh, the 76ers were trying to trade Tobias Harris to the Cavs and what Daryl Morey's offer was? Oh, yeah. Is that when Garland was involved? No, it was um, it was uh, we'll give you Tobias Harris. We want Jared Allen, Evan Mobley and three first round picks back. And it's like what? also the um, the Cavs don't have any first round picks. I don't know if you uh, saw the jazz trade, but. Yeah, that that did make me laugh. But um, yeah, just what was it like watching Victor in person? I Did you see him the other night, too, where he played a lot better against um, Portland? No, no I, I, I was not at that game. But, you know. I don't want to say I felt sorry for him because he's uh, he he's got a lot of things going for him right now. There's uh, there's other people that uh, I, I guess you should feel sorry for more than Victor, but. There was such an energy in the crowd that every time he got the ball, everyone was expecting some flash or, mm-hmm. you know, some crazy thing to happen. And it's almost like he heard that and like tried to make that happen and was just forcing things too much and and trying to, you know, do his part to please the crowd. And I mean, he said after the game, he was like, yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing out there. I mean, he hasn't. Um, he's just coming off his season in France. Uh, Summer League is not that structured. And like you said, it's way easier for guards to just kind of go out there and, you know, play playground ball than a big who needs some structure uh, around him. So, yeah, I, I kind of felt bad for him that night. But then, he, you know, he settled in and everything like that. But, man, this guy, 
is going to have the weight of the world on his shoulders. I feel for him too in that sense of just like, how can we evaluate him without these like super high expectations where it feels like no matter what, even if he plays well, it's like, well, he's supposed to. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I feel for him in a way because that's got to be crazy where it's like, I mean, Chris Broussard said this and I like Broussard, but he said something insane um, a couple weeks ago. He said, if Victor Wimanyama is not as good as Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Hakeem, it's a a disappointment. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, (laughs) those guys are top 10 players, arguably, of of all time. Like, if if Victor Wimbanyama becomes Kevin Durant, it's going to be a a grand slam pick in San Antonio. Like, that's that's just the way it works. I mean, you can dream about his upside and perhaps being even higher than that, but... um. Yeah, it, the thing is, I think it'll quiet down a little bit, like, um, instead of having a one-game sample. Now we have a two-game sample, and it's just summer league, and then he's going to play in preseason games. And then, you know, once the regular season has started, the Spurs are going to be on national TV, um, obviously more than they would if they didn't have Victor. But, you know, the, the regular season's long. Like, people aren't going to be watching every single game he plays. So um, I just think the more he's out there, kind of the less... Um, sort of hyper-focused attention will be on him. He's always going to be one of the most uh, closely watched players in the league, but not like every single movie mix. Yeah, he's just a spectacle of a guy. I mean, I mentioned going to Summer League a few years ago with Zion, and I remember this is the only environment I've ever been in where in layup lines they booed him for not dunking. Yeah. And just thinking that's crazy, but yeah. The um, Vegas crowds are different, man. It is. They like, they come to see a show. It's not just like regular basketball out there, like if you have a slick dribble move or um, break someone's ankles or dunk on somebody, like the cheers are even louder than they'd be in a regular game. Like people want to see those highlights. It almost feels like a Knicks crowd in a way where it's like, we just want to see good yeah. basketball. Mm-hmm. But um, some good basketball was played later that week. And that is a case and Wallace's debut, not case on. We have been going through all Kaysen. types. We're of- back to case that just, I had a couple of people call me and I'm like, I don't know. I just we're going to have to go through. I, I'd like to have the theory thrown out that whenever he's good, it's Kaysen. And whenever he's playing bad, it's Kaysen. Well, yeah, there's that's the duality of it. But what did you think about watching Kaysen for the first time? It looked like he had a pretty uh, great outing in his first uh, debut game. I was very impressed. Um, just the confidence he played with and you know the shooting obviously is the is the headliner there six of ten from three even more so than the six makes just his willingness to attempt you know ten threes and look pretty effortless and and smooth like some of the catch and shoot threes like he's got a quick motion man like it's not like he has to set up and um you know not to just compare him to Lou Dort as we've been comparing him, but like takes Lou a little while. He knows guys aren't going to like, you know, close out on him or, or rush him. But Kaysen is just like confident getting into a shot, um, releasing it. And it looked really, really good. So I, I don't know what kind of three pointer three point shooter he's going to be, you know, this season or in the years moving on. Um, but even seeing that game made me more hopeful that, that he can at least be, uh, you know, average and probably an above average three point shooter in addition to what he does on the defensive end and and as a playmaker on offense yeah six of ten from three is not sustainable but he had some nice things even if you're just not looking at the shot going in that made me more optimistic about his shooting like you mentioned just like his footwork whenever he'd get those catch and shoots was very very smooth he was great relocating kind of spacing off the ball and he was always ready to shoot i mean even that first three that he hit Jay Will was at the top of the three point line, like right in the middle of the floor. And some rookies would go, hey, I probably shouldn't shoot this. I should pass it ahead. And he just with confidence went up, knocked it down. So I was very excited to see that from Kaysen. Um, I've got some football analogies had, he, for you. Yeah, he had that one three as well, where he's like curling to the corner and a little off balanced yeah. and, he, and he hits it. And I was like, oh, like I didn't know, you know, that would even be a part of his game right now. Um, I know Mark mentioned Ed Reed, and I can definitely see that on the defensive side. I mean, one of them, there's a smart play where um, I think it was um, Derek Lively throwing it up the floor to a guard, and Kaysen's like at the opposite free throw line, 
to the um to the offensive guy and he can identify before the guy's even throwing the ball he's about to pass it here i need to cut this off and he almost gets a steal but offensively he kind of reminds me of like nick chubb the running back for the browns where it's like i don't Ooh. feel i don't uh, let me let me put this let me no, explain i like here. where this okay. is going i i'm, I'm sitting he, back in my seat ready he reminds to hear this. me in the sense of like there's nothing super explosive but you're like He's just running past everybody. How is he doing that? He's not like he doesn't look that fast in case. And it's like he just maximizes his movements, even though it doesn't look super, super explosive. Like he's getting by guys. And you're like, I don't really know how he got by that guy. But it's just like consistently things he can do off the dribble. Um, and then I thought it was really interesting how much they put him with Trey Mann. But they had case bringing the ball up and being the point guard. Yeah, that was interesting. Um. So yeah, I mean that's going to be something to watch in, in the regular season. Also, the Thunder is going to be able to like stagger the minutes of of Shea and Giddy as well. So mm-hmm. like Giddy, a lot of times is going to be the primary um, initiator on, on the floor. Mitchich is going to factor in. Um, but but Case and Wallace can certainly play on or off the ball, and you know m- might be you know, a step ahead of where I thought he'd be off the ball if he continues to shoot the ball with that kind of confidence. But yeah, all of the football analogies I'm here for, he really does like play defense like a safety or a corner, just his anticipation, his instincts, his like closing ability. He looks like a football player to me. Yeah. um, Just more so than a basketball player. And that, that's like, that. that's what surprised me is like, we don't um, think of football players as having, you know, always being the most like graceful athletes. It's like power and strength, but he he's so fluid in, in what he does, but also has that that strength and tenacity. So, hey, we're talking about this after one game. We're, we're going to see game two here coming up. But um, yeah, so far, so good for Kaysen. Hopefully he'll get to guard Cam Whitmore tonight. I thought that he did a nice job on Jaden Hardy, who's not an easy cover. He's a former five-star guy who probably would have gone high up in the draft if he didn't go the G League route. Yeah, he's but, good. Yeah, he's really good. It did make me laugh when the Mavericks were trying to put him and Derek Lively in a two-man game. It's like the defenders are Kaysen Wallace and Chet Holmgren. It's like, not the guys. Yeah, Young Mr. Lively has a long way to go. Yeah, that was... um. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, Chet's going to eat this guy alive. Yeah, and it looks it like was... he did. But let's let's get on to Chet, actually, because um, you got to see him first. Let's start back in Salt Lake City, uh, just seeing him in his first game back. What was that like? And then um, I've seen a couple of quotes where you got to talk to him after the game. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for Chet is being out on the court and not necessarily what he does on the court, like just seeing him sort of work through the rust, get up and down the floor play fairly significant minutes, play for decent uh, stretches. Like that's, that's kind of the stuff I wanted to see just his, his movement and his confidence out there. Um, He's fallen down a lot, which is not a Chet thing. It's a big man thing. Obviously Mm -hmm. everyone talks about it with Anthony Davis, Wimby a lot, but I, (laughs) I think it's going to be a lot of scary moments for Thunder fans because you kind of like hold your breath every time he falls. Like, oh, no, did he just like re-injure something? He's just, uh, you know, a, a gangly guy. And they're uh, they're going to sometimes lose their balance and have a different sort of <laughs> center of gravity. But other than that, like um, he said, the, the foot feels great. Uh, he had that really good quote of like, if not for the scars, he he wouldn't have even known he had surgery or something was wrong with his foot. So he seems to be 100% healthy. Um, I think like a lot of these guys out there, he's trying to get his conditioning back. But at the same time, to do what he's done while taking the last year off, like he's not one of those, he's not even technically a second year guy, but he's he's a rookie in which, you know, the guys he's playing with and against either played college basketball last season or in the G League or what wherever they came from overseas. Um, but he hadn't played competitive basketball in in the last year. And, you know, you wouldn't really know that by by watching him. So that to me alone um, makes it uh, a very good summer league for Chet. Yeah, the falling thing is concerning, but 
Um, I thought about this a while ago because Derek Rose, he had a lot of injuries. And one of the main things that I've seen some doctors talk about with his injuries is his um, bad landings and that he would always mm-hmm. try to land on his feet. And that's how you can kind of get your knees twisted or land awkwardly. So it's better for all these guys to just fall than try to land on their legs and just kind of, kind of contort and things. It's You don't want these guys to fall anyways, but there's just certain contact you can't avoid. But yeah, Chet, I was very excited to see him. It looked like he was pressing to start a little bit, and then he finally got that first shot to go. The defense immediately translated, but offensively, you can definitely see him testing things out and trying to shake off the rust. I mentioned to Barry earlier, he looks like he's in good shape, but he's not in the basketball shape to like block a shot, run up and down for a couple of possessions, and then come up and pull up on a three. I think that he's still getting his, I guess, basketball or sea legs under him for stuff like that. Yeah, I think you can even see it on his three-point attempts. I mean, incredibly small sample, but I think he's been one of nine from from three this summer, and a lot of the misses have been short. And uh, yeah, that might just be a conditioning thing more than like a shot thing. So yeah, the the defense, like you said, is it's elite, and I think it's going to play from from day one. Offensively, again, it goes back to big man in summer league, like. For him to do things offensively, he's he has to sort of create it himself, and then that leaves him susceptible to younger or smaller guards like poking it away from him and sending doubles at him in ways that just aren't going to happen when he's on the court with Shea and Giddy, who can find him in advantageous spots. So, um, yeah, the turnovers, you know are loud and they were loud last summer when he played. Um, But I just think like once he's in the actual system with better players around him, um, those aren't going to be as glaring because he's just not going to have the ball in his hands as much. I mean, the guys who are going to make his life infinitely easier are Shea, Giddy, Michich, and probably Kenrich, maybe J-Dubs in that category. But I don't think it can be overstated enough just how much it helped him Chet last year having Josh out there as just like a high IQ uh, playmaker who can make all these passes. And he just put stuff on a platter for Chet. That's not to say he's not as good this year, but I think that Josh was the training. No, he was kind of the training wheels that really helped him get off the ground in his uh, first summer league games last year. Yeah. And even being out there with J-Dub in that first game. So it's a little different playing with, you know, Jared Butler's found him on, on on some nice looks, but you know, Trey Man, they they, they just um, it, it's just hard to kind of find that sort of chemistry in, in summer league. But yeah, everything everything Chet's done, I, I think, is very very encouraging. Uh, tell us more about your conversation. Just talking to him after the game, I know you mentioned um, his uh, weird quote about his foot that was kind of like, if you remember, it was um, yeah, yeah, I don't remember, but it was I like do if remember. you, yeah, if you erase. My memory, I wouldn't have known that I had foot surgery. And uh, as I was telling Andrew Schlecht, like, yeah, if you erased your memory, you wouldn't know you're a basketball player, maybe. But your name. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, uh, your, your name. <laughs> so uh, human existence. But anyway, uh, I, I appreciated what he was trying to, to do there. He's. He's an interesting interview. Um, he, you know, he, he carries himself with an extreme amount of confidence that um, I think Thunder fans are going to love, and I think other fans mm-hmm. might uh, not love as much. Um, you, you can just tell, like he's if he does become a villain in, to some fan bases, like he is going to embrace that and not shy away from it, even in that first summer league game in salt lake when they were chanting overrated when he was at the free throw line it was like a college basketball game um and i, I was joking with someone he, he should have went to duke he's like the perfect white guy duke villain um but yeah talking to to chet it, it's mainly like i get the sense that he wants to move past like injury questions and how he's feeling and into into other sort of things like he had good quotes when um talking about case and wallace and um playing with these guys here in summer league but it, it's clear that he's just like itching to to get back and play like real games and be on the court um 
you know, this fall when the season starts. If it was not on my bingo card, consider me shocked that um, Chet as a white American player would get booed in Utah of all places that <laughs> yeah, whenever that happened, they called him overrated. I'm like, what is happening? Are we in bizarro world? What's this, like the, this should be their guy. Yeah. Thought he'd get a standing ovation. Yeah. I mean, if they like Grace now and Chet should be OK, but oh boy, what was it? Didn't uh, you ask Chet a question? And he asked it like right back to you. Yeah, I was like, hey, what, what were your first impressions of being out there and playing with Kaysen? He's like, what'd you think? <laughs> and I was, it's, uh, it's not like I asked him trying to bait him into saying something bad. I was like, I thought he played good, you know, so far so good. And he was like, yeah, me too. Um, I, I was, uh, <laughs> it's always funny. I, I think sometimes, listen, like, I'm sure getting interviewed is over and over is very hard. I'm always in the um, on the other side of that. But sometimes guys say things to sort of like buy some time as they think of how they're going to answer that question. And that's kind of what it felt like. But um, anyway, yeah, I told uh, I, I told Chet my my case on analysis and then uh, which was not very eloquent. And then uh, he gave me a pretty good answer. So. That yeah. reminds me. Looking of, forward to covering Chet. He he sounds like he's going to be fun. I remember last year a reporter asked Zion, they're like, what would you grade your defense tonight? And he was like, let me ask you, what would you grade it? Yeah. He's like, I'll give you like a B plus. And he goes, I can live with that. Uh, yeah. But you mentioned, yeah, <laughs> guys uh, buying some time, even if it's buying time, if someone says that's a really good question, I'm always going to just accept that as it was a really good question and not them trying to buy time, even though I know what it is. Yeah. What, are, what are some other great time fillers that you hear guys do? Well, Shay has one literally on every question. He just says, um, mm-hmm. and then he holds it and then pauses and then gets into his answer. Um, Shay, I, I really like Shay as a as an interview, but that you, you just sort of notice those those ticks a little bit um i say um that's what i say we need mark to do I that should. just lob questions back at people i'd love to see uh barry ask a question mark goes what do, what do you think who's gonna back and forth between barry and mark and oppressor D- you know darius basley had the best mechanism for this and his strategy was just to not fill the space at all just <laughs> be okay with the silence <laughs> And just sort of sit there and you wonder if he heard the question or if he was still with us and then he would start to answer it. So um, I, I miss Darius Baisley because you just never you just never knew what you were going to get on any given day. What's the weirdest or worst response you've gotten off a question? I know last year I asked something to Mark about Isaiah Joe not getting shots. He's like, first of all, it's a one game sample size. I'm like, OK felt got me there can't really argue with that uh i could probably think of a better one if i uh if i thought about it for a while but i always go back to darius basley questions i mean i i seriously asked him a question i forgot even what it was but and then i counted the the pause and it was like it was like 17 seconds like it was it it felt like an eternity before he answered it. And then he gave me a really good answer. Um, also in the 2020, 21 season when there was no fans. So we weren't, we're, bi- I could cover game. We could cover games at the arena, um, but interviews were still done over zoom. Like we didn't have like um, close interactions with players. And, you know, sometimes I'm I'm thinking in my mind. Okay, if I don't ask him, if if uh, if I don't ask this question now, they're not practicing tomorrow. So you know, sometimes I have to ask questions in advance if I'm planning for an upcoming game. So Stephen Adams was about to come back to Oklahoma City um, for his first time as an opponent, and I asked Darius of like, hey, you know, Stephen comes in here in a couple days. Like any any like fun memories or stories from playing with him. And then he laughed. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get something good here. And he was basically like, why would you ask me that? Like, I'm I'm focused on, you know, whoever we're playing tonight. And it was uh, it's just like, come on, man. Like, I'm 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 trying my best here. 
It's like when I asked Del Curry, I was like, is there any evolution to shooting? Is there any like next wave coming? We see quarterbacks and pitchers doing different things. Is there next wave of shooting? He just goes, no. That was his full answer to me. I was like, all right, well, uh, thanks for talking to me. See you later. Leave no ambiguity. No, no, I was like, I just, you know, I just thought maybe, you know, things could be different. Thought it was be an interesting question. No, have a nice day. But, um, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of things going on. The Thunder have a lot of guys on their roster currently. They are at the max of 20 rostered players for the summer before they have to cut it to 15 after training camp. I think it is. Um, I just want to get your perspective on it because a lot of people think this needs to be trimmed immediately. They need to just cut these guys and just figure out the roster. But do you think that maybe having all these guys and not cutting them down immediately could end up being a good thing? Yeah, I, I just don't think the Thunder cares. Yeah. In fact, I know they don't care. Like They, I think, are kind of chuckling to themselves when people are talking about you know, the roster problems because I wrote about this for for yesterday just how the thunder approached their cap space um th- this off season and you know basically everything the thunder has done this off season is about the future and keeping a future core together that include that could include already includes a max extension for Shea who knows with giddy chet j-dub case and wallace i mean the new CBA lets you keep homegrown talent, but it can also get very, very, very expensive. So right now, the Thunder's doing everything to not have, you know, dead money on their books for years to come uh, to save up for the time w- when that arrives. And that kind of plays into what they've done with, you know, adding a player and then shipping them out, as in the case with Patty Mills or Rudy Gay, who's on an expiring contract, Victor Oladipo, who's on an expiring contract. It's like, do you have room for that? For those guys, are they going to make the team? Um, no, probably not. But for taking them on in money that's going to expire, money that you would have to spend anyway, they're netting second round picks that can then be used, you know, to get a rotational player down the road. Like just last year at the trade deadline, we saw all kinds of second round picks uh, being included in, in in trades, like trading five and six second round picks to go get uh, a potential rotational player. So. They're not worried about the roster crunch. They're not worried if about choosing between um, Trey Mann or Ty Ty Washington or Usman Garuba or uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. It's just a lot can change before the season starts. You don't have to whittle your, your roster down until just before the season starts. 15 guys on standard deals, three guys on two-way deals for, for a total of 18. Um, some of this is going to take care of itself. Rudy Gay and Oladipo might be rerouted. Usman Garuba and Tai Tai Washington might be traded elsewhere. Um, but there's just no urgency for them to to worry about this right now. I'm glad you made that point because I was going to get to that. It's just a lot of this will just work itself out rather than them, ha- them having to make some tough decisions now and project. It's like, well, this guy's having a good summer so far, so let's keep going with him. Some of it will just work itself out with guys just beating each other up and training camp and over the summer playing against each other and the answer will kind of reveal itself and i'm with you i'm not in a yeah. big hurry to just go ahead they and basically have bait. like three months yeah like summer league happens and then things get pretty quiet there there's a lot of downtime and um yeah there there again there's just no urgency to to this situation whatsoever do you have any idea with Gruba and Tai Tai if there's any word on they're most likely to get traded or if they're going to have maybe a chance around here? Yeah, no, n- nothing that I've, you know, could report one way or the other on that. Um, I think they're both interesting in the fact that they were first round picks in each of the last, you know, two years, 2022 for Tai Tai and 2021 for Garuba. I, I I can't say I've seen a ton of either guy uh, would want your take on this, but I'm a little, if they keep one, they might keep both or they might move on from both. But if it comes down between, all right, let's decide between the former Rockets guys, I kind of think they lean Garuba just because um, of his size and defense and um seems like a a thundery guy in the sense that you know he's he's 
a rugged defender and that's all he wants to do. And, and he, he could help them a little bit where, um, yeah, I've written about how the glut of guards is not really a big deal, but Ty Ty Washington's not a guy that has like the positional versatility of a lot of the Thunder guards. And I, I just don't really know where he fits in. Like if you ask me right now and sure I'm, um, biased because of summer league, but I would rather have Trey Mann than Ty Ty Washington. Yeah, I don't know if you can put those guys on a two-way because the bigger question is Jared Butler on a two-way or um, Ty Ty Washington. Right now, they only have um, Keontae Johnson on a two-way. They they could bring Butler back. I also wouldn't rule out the possibility of them bringing Lindy Waters back on a two-way mm-hmm. because when they declined his team option, um, he's going to be eligible to be put back on a two-way. You can't do it with Garuba or Tai Tai because they're they're on regular yeah. standard contracts right now. So um yeah, it would be if I had to guess, I would say Lindy's gonna get one of those spots. Again, nothing I would report on that whatsoever. Uh and then maybe Butler or you know maybe one of these you know G League guys that they have with them here in Summer League. Give me bowl bowl on a two way. That's what the people need. I love Bol We need Bol Bol, Poku, Jang, Chet, and who else? Whoever you want. I don't care. Let's just let's get weird. But this is why we. I fl- was go ahead. Bol, you know, people were. Bol Bol is one of the most entertaining players I've covered. But is he just not good? Like I was surprised that Orlando didn't keep him. I think that a lot of the bull bull hype is um, artificial to people playing with him on 2K where he can be unbelievable <laughs> at like 7-3 hitting shots. And I think that he looks like a highlight machine and some of these things. But it is telling that the Nuggets gave up on him. And then, well, I mean, they got Aaron Gordon, but still. And then the Magic, I don't know. The Magic are just so confusing with some of these bigs that they have. I still think they have one of the best three young cores in the league, but just like, yeah, some of the guys but, are but still they, they they're still rebuilding. And yeah. like if any team could keep space open for bowl bowl, it's a team like the magic. So, yeah, that is pretty telling um, that, you know, he, he's a guy that they're not going to continue to to try to develop. But I was anyway. pretty, I was pretty surprised Lindy didn't get picked up by a, um, a summer league team. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this there's not a ton of third year guys. I mean, I know the Thunder has two and, and Trey Mann and uh, JRE on their roster, and Lindy didn't play all that much in his rookie season. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what Lindy has been up to this summer. And then the last thing I'll ask you before we get out of here: need your opinions on um, Swole J Dub. Have you seen these pictures on that picture? Twitter? Looks yeah. crazy. <laughs> It looks like the ones that came out after the pandemic of like James Harden running up a hill with an eight pack and like Luca lifting weights. And they're like, I, I just don't know that I buy this. It almost looks distorted in the yeah. sense that like his head is small and then it's on, it's atop this giant torso. Um, I mean, I thought J Dub was very physically impressive as a rookie mm-hmm. last year. Um, but yeah, if he's gotten even stronger, you know, put on, I I think, you know, he is heavier, uh, on the summer league roster than he was listed at last season. And it appears to be nothing but muscle. Um, but Hey, maybe he's, maybe he's ready to, to play those four minutes, uh, uh, power forward minutes, uh, with kind of a bigger frame on him. But yeah, that was, that was nuts. Yeah, he looks like he's mid-transition into the Hulk, but his head didn't get the message. <laughs> yeah. It's like everything else is just like massive, and it's like, what happened? But yeah. I mean, what was it like just seeing him in person? Because I mean, we're looking at these pictures, but uh, didn't you get to talk to him? Or was his yeah. one game he just got out of there? I mean, I didn't really notice it when he was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, when they're not in like a... When they're in like just regular street clothes that are looser fitting. I, I mean, J-Dub's got his own style. You can't really tell. Um, 
But if he uh, if he puts on a basketball jersey again, I guess we'd be able to tell. So I'm sure that's going to be the question, the first question of media day. He sits up there, he's in his jersey, and uh, he will be asked about his body because that is a uh, normal thing that we do as as basketball reporters on media day. After this pod, we're gonna have the betting odds set on which reporter will will ask that question. I um, I'm thinking how uncomfortable that would be for me. It's like. Um, you know, we, we come back for media day and one of the players looks at me and they're like, you look a lot bigger this off season, this season. It's like, yeah, I've, I've put on about 15 and nothing but fat. Yeah. You look bigger too. <laughs> Different way, but yes, <laughs> but J-Dub, he just makes me laugh. I, I still believe in my theory that he just went to play in a summer league game just for some B-roll for his YouTube channel and then just got out of there immediately. But he looked like I made this, um analogy on twitter he looked like um when you're in middle school and you're playing pickup and you don't have enough guys so then the gym teacher joins in and just dominates the whole game yeah it was very unfair it was a varsity jv situation he he looked like he could just do about anything but joe thanks for coming on with me do you have anything else to plug before we get out of here uh i hope you can enjoy your last few hours in vegas yes um I would check out the the story that I wrote about how the Thunder has used cap space this summer. Also today, I had a story come out about Zaire Smith, who has not played a ton for the Thunder in summer league, but just a guy that has dealt with a series of injuries and illnesses. And um, if you don't remember Zaire Smith, 16th pick in the 2018 draft, infamously traded for Mikkel Bridges. That did not work out for the Sixers, and Zaire Smith played 13 games in his uh, entire NBA career, but he's trying to get back into it now, and he's with the Thunder in Summer League. Very cool. We love a comeback story, but uh, thanks again, Joe, for coming on with me. Thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddy Podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back again for more Thunder talk and fun on Friday. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.